0: asleep with Gina Marie. I'm Gina, and of course, there's Marie. Marie is (laughs) feeding two cats now. Thanks for being with me again. Classic short stories from wonderful authors will always be right here for you, and thank you for liking, commenting, and subscribing. I am very lucky and very honored to have a great number of listeners from around the world, and I hope you all will indulge me just a little this week, because I once again want to present a story about our very American holiday, Thanksgiving. Yes, it's that time already. Well, for this occasion, I've called on an American author known for his endings with a twist. That was all you needed to know, I bet. Yes, it is. O. Henry. And now, about O. Henry, did you know he was forced to use his pseudonym? He had to. His name was William Sidney Porter, but he had to use that pseudonym because he started his writing career in prison. How did this well known novelist, poet, and very prolific writer of short stories get himself into that situation? Well, here's how William Sidney Porter, known as a nice, unpretentious guy, was born at the peak of the Civil War in North Carolina. And he was licensed as a pharmacist at the young age of 19. He then moved to Texas. Where well, I guess they didn't have pharmacies because he worked on a ranch, and he fell in love, and after marrying this love, and after the birth of their daughter, he took a job as a bank teller. Hmm. A shortage of $5,000 at the bank was the beginning of real trouble for Mr. Porter. He could never precisely explain the whereabouts of that money. And, of course, he was accused of embezzlement. The accusation, it was too much for him. He abandoned his wife and child and fled to Honduras. Now, don't think unkindly of him, because he returned immediately when he found out about his wife's illness. And he stood trial. And he was sentenced to five years in prison. And then his wife died of tuberculosis at just 29. With time off for good behavior, William Porter, now O. Henry, continued the writing career he'd started in prison. Oh, and he carefully guarded his secret. He moved to New York City Where he wrote for several magazines, turning out at least one story per week. He was very successful, but he refused all interviews and all photographs. Now we know why. Despite his popularity, you know, he never really made much money. The stress got to him and he turned to alcohol. He died at age 47. Of cirrhosis of the liver. Today the O'Henry Award is still given annually to short stories of exceptional merit. And also today I have two O'Henry tales for you. In our first, our author includes some random thoughts about Thanksgiving. See what you think and let me know. Canada and the U.S. both celebrate Thanksgiving. Canada has been celebrating since 1879, and the U.S. started our tradition in 1789, when George Washington decided we all should be thankful for our Constitution. Well, let's see what our author is thankful for. Published in 1907. Tuck in, everybody. For O'Henry's Two Thanksgiving Day Gentlemen There is one day that is There is one day when all Americans go back to the old home and eat a big dinner. Bless the day. The president gives it to us every year. Sometimes he talks about the people who had the first Thanksgiving. They were the Puritans. They were some people who landed on our Atlantic shore. We don't really remember much about them. But those people ate a large bird called turkey on the first Thanksgiving day. So we have turkey for Thanksgiving dinner, if we have enough money to buy turkey. That is a tradition. Yes, Thanksgiving Day is the one day of the year that is purely American. And now, here is the story to prove to you that we have old traditions in this new country. They are growing older more quickly than traditions in old countries, and that is because we are so young. And full of life. We do everything quickly. Stuffy Pete sat down on a seat in the New York City Park named Union Square. It was the third seat to the right as you enter Union Square from the east. Every Thanksgiving day for nine years he had sat down there at one in the afternoon. Every time things had happened to him, oh they were wonderful things. They made his heart feel full of joy and they filled another part of him too. They filled the part below his heart. On those other Thanksgiving days, he had been hungry. It is a strange thing. There are rich people who wish to help the poor, but many of them seem to think that the poor are hungry only on Thanksgiving day. But today, Pete was not hungry. He had come from a dinner so big that he had almost no power to move. His light green eyes looked out from a gray face on which there was still a little food. His breath was short. His body had suddenly become too big for his clothes. It seemed ready to break out of them. They were torn. You could see his skin through a hole in the front of his shirt. But the cold wind, with snow in it, felt pleasantly cool to him. For Stuffy Pete was overheated with the warmth of all he had had to eat. The dinner had been much too big. It seemed to him that his dinner had included all the turkey and all the other food in the whole world. So mm, he sat very, very full. He looked out at the world without interest, as if it could never offer him anything more. The dinner. Had not been expected. He had been passing a large house near the beginning of that great broad street called Fifth Avenue. It was the home of two old ladies of an old family. These two old ladies had a deep love of traditions. There were certain things they always did. On Thanksgiving Day at noon they always sent a servant to stand at the door. There he waited for the first hungry person who walked by. The servant had orders to bring that person into the house and feed him until he could eat no more. Stuffy Pete (laughs) happened to pass by on his way to the park servant had gathered him in tradition had followed oh stuffy pete sat in the park looking straight before him for 10 minutes then he felt a desire to look in another direction with a very great effort he moved his head slowly to the left And then his eyes grew wider and his breath stopped. His feet in their torn shoes at the ends of his short legs moved about on the ground. For the old gentleman was coming across Fourth Avenue toward Stuffy's seat. Every Thanksgiving day for nine years, the old gentleman had come there to find Stuffy Pete on his seat. That was a thing that the old gentleman was trying to make into a tradition. Every Thanksgiving day for nine years, he had found Stuffy there. Then, he had led Stuffy to a restaurant. And watched him eat a big dinner. They do these things more easily in old countries like England. They do them without thinking about them, but in this young country we must think about them. In order to build a tradition we must do the same thing again and again for a long time. The old gentleman loved his country. He believed he was helping to build a great American tradition. And he had been doing very well. Nine years is a long time here. The old gentleman moved straight and proud toward the tradition that he was building. Truly, feeding Stuffy once a year was not a very important tradition. There are greater and more important traditions in England, but it was a beginning. It proved that a tradition was at least possible in America. The old gentleman was thin and tall and sixty. He was dressed all in black. He wore eyeglasses. His hair was whiter and thinner than it had been last year. His legs did not seem as strong as they had seemed the year before. As this kind old gentleman came toward him, Stuffy began to shake and his breath was shorter. He wished... He could fly away, but he could not move from his seat. Stay with us. We'll be right back. gentleman came toward him stuffy began to shake and his breath was shorter he wished he could fly away but he could not move from his seat good morning said the old gentleman I am glad to see that the troubles of another year have not hurt you You continue to move in health about the beautiful world. And for that blessing, you and I give thanks on this day of Thanksgiving. If you will come with me, my man, I will give you a dinner that will surely make your body feel as thankful as your mind. That is what the old gentleman said every time, every Thanksgiving Day, for nine years. The words themselves were almost a tradition. Always before, they had been music in Stuffy's ear. But now, he looked up at the old gentleman's face with tears of suffering in his eyes. The snow turned quickly to water when it fell upon his hot face. But the old gentleman was shaking with the cold. He turned away with his back to the wind and he did not see Stuffy's eyes. Stuffy had always wondered why the old gentleman seemed sad as he spoke. He did not know that It was because the old gentleman was wishing that he had a son. Oh, a son would come there after he himself was gone. A son would stand proud and strong before Stuffy and say, in remembrance of my father. And then it would really be a tradition. Ah, the old gentleman had no family. He lived in a room in one of the old houses near the park. In the winter, he grew a few flowers there. In the spring, he walked on Fifth Avenue. In the summer, he lived in a farmhouse in the hills outside New York. Oh, and he talked of a strange bug he hoped someday to find. In the fall season, he gave Stuffy a dinner. These were the things that filled the old gentleman's life. Stuffy Pete looked up at him for a half minute, helpless and very sorry for himself. The old gentleman's eyes were bright with the giving pleasure His face was getting older every year, but his clothes were very clean and fresh. And then Stuffy made a strange noise. He was trying to speak. As the old gentleman had heard the noise nine times before, he understood it. He knew that Stuffy was accepting. Uh, Thank you. I'm very hungry. Stuffy was very full, but he understood that he was part of a tradition. His desire for food on Thanksgiving Day was not his own. It belonged to this kind old gentleman. True, America is free, but... There are some things that must be done. The old gentleman led Stuffy to the restaurant and to the same table where they had always gone. They were known here. Oh, here comes that old man, said a waiter, that buys that old no good fellow a dinner every Thanksgiving. The old gentleman sat at the table, watching. The waiters brought food, and more food, and Stuffy began to eat. No great and famous soldier ever battled more strongly against an enemy. The turkey and all the other food were gone, almost as quickly as they appeared. Stuffy saw the look of happiness on the old gentleman's face. He continued to eat in order to keep it there. In an hour, the battle was finished. Well, thank you, Stuffy said. Thank you for my... Thanksgiving dinner. And then he stood up heavily and started to go to the wrong door. A waiter turned him in the right direction. The old gentleman carefully counted out one dollar and thirty cents and left fifteen cents more for the waiter. They said goodbye. As they did each year, at the door, the old gentleman went south, and Stuffy went north. Stuffy went around the first corner and stood for one minute, and then he fell. There, he was found. He was picked up and taken to a hospital. They put him on a bed and began to try to discover what strange sickness had made him fall. And an hour later, the old gentleman was brought to the same hospital and they put him on another bed and began to try to discover what his sickness could be. After a little time, one of the doctors met another doctor and they talked. That nice old gentleman over there, he said. Do you know what's wrong with him? He is almost dead. For need of food. Oh, a very proud old man, I think. He told me he has had nothing to eat for three days. There's more from O. Henry today. Have you ever felt like you're nothing more than a machine at your job? Let me know about that. And what do you think of this next story too, would you? In which a man is so deeply involved, like a machine, in his work, he's forgotten the most important undertaking of his life. Published in 1906. Tuck in again, everybody, for... O. Henry's The Romance of a Busy Broker. pitcher, who worked in the office of Harvey Maxwell, broker, usually allowed his face to show no feeling. This morning, he allowed his face to show interest and surprise when Mr. Maxwell entered. It was half past nine, and Mr. Maxwell was with his young lady secretary. Good morning, pitcher, said Maxwell. He rushed to his table as if he were going to jump over it. Then he began to look at the many, many letters and other papers waiting there for him. The young lady had been Maxwell's secretary for a year. She was very beautiful and very different from most other secretaries. Her hair always looked plain and simple. She did not wear chains or jewels. Her dress was gray and plain, but it fitted her very well. On her small black hat was the gold-green wing of a bird. On this morning, she seemed to shine softly. Her eyes were dreaming but bright. Her face was warmly colored and her expression was happy. Pitcher watched her. There was a question about her in his mind. She was different this morning. Instead of going straight to the room where she worked, she waited. She seemed Not to know what to do. Once, she went over to Maxwell's table, near enough for him to see that she was standing there. The machine (laughs) sitting at that table was no longer a man. It was a busy New York broker. Huh? What? What is it? Anything? Asked Maxwell shortly. Papers lay like snow covering his table. His eyes looked at her as if she were another machine. Nothing, answered the secretary, moving away with a little smile. Mr. Pitcher, she said, did Mr. Maxwell talk to you yesterday about getting another secretary? Mm. He did. Pitcher answered. He told me to get another one. Several are coming to talk to us this morning. It's now after nine, though, and no one has appeared. Hmm. Well, I will do the work as usual, said the young lady, until someone comes to fill the place. And she went to her table. She took off the black hat with the gold-green bird wing and put it away, as usual. If you have never seen a busy New York broker on a busy day, you know little about men at work. Every minute of a broker's hour is crowded, and this day was... Harvey Maxwell's busy day. Beside his table stood a machine and from this came a long narrow endless piece of paper bringing him business news as soon as it happened. Men began to come into the office and speak to him. Some were happy, some were not. Some were in a hurry, some were full of anger. Boys ran in and out with letters for him to read and answer at once. Pitcher's face now showed that he was alive. The other men who worked in the office jumped around like sailors during a storm, and there were storms in the business world. Fearful storms. Every storm was felt in the broker's office. Maxwell moved his chair against the wall. Now he was like a dancer. He jumped from the machine to his table, to the door and back again. In the middle of all this, he slowly realized that something had come near him. There was golden hair, there was a very large amount of it, high on a head. On top of the hair was a big hat covered with birds' wings. There was a long silver chain hanging from a neck until it nearly touched the floor. And among all these things, there was a young lady. Pitcher was beside her to explain. A lady for that job as secretary, said Pitcher. Maxwell turned half around with his hands full of letters and paper from the machine. "'What job?' he asked. "'Job of secretary,' Pitcher said again. "'You told me yesterday to have someone sent here this morning.' You, "'You are losing your mind, Pitcher,' said Maxwell. "'Why should I tell you anything like that? "'Miss Leslie is a perfect secretary.' She can keep the job as long as she wants it. To the young lady, he said, there is no job here. And to Pitcher, he added this order. Tell them not to send any more, and don't bring any more in here to see me. The silver chain left the office, hitting against chairs and tables with anger as it went. Pitcher said to another man in the office that, Maxwell was more forgetful every day. The rush of business grew wilder and faster. Maxwell was working like some fine, strong machine. He was working as fast as he could. He never stopped to think. He was never wrong. He was always ready to decide and to act. He worked as a clock works. This was the world of business. It was not a human world or the world of nature. When the dinner hour was near, things grew quieter. Maxwell stood by his table with his hands full of papers and his hair hanging over his face his window was open for it was the time of year when the weather was beginning to turn warm and through the window came a soft sweet smell of flowers for a moment the broker was held there without moving for this smell of flowers belonged To Miss Leslie, it was hers, and hers only. The smell seemed almost to make her stand there before him. The world of business grew smaller and smaller. And, well, she was in the next room 20 steps away. I'll do it now, said Maxwell, half aloud. I'll ask her now. I wonder why I didn't do it long ago. He rushed into the other room. He stopped beside the secretary. She looked up at him with a smile. Warm color came into her face, and her eyes were soft, Kind. Maxwell's hands were still full of papers. Miss Leslie, he began quickly, I have only a moment. I want to say something in that moment. <clears throat> Will you be my wife? Oh, I haven't had time to make love to you in the usual way, but I really do love you. Talk quick, please. I have to get back to my work. What are you talking about? cried the young lady. She rose to her feet and looked at him, round-eyed. Don't don't you understand? said Maxwell. I want you to marry me. I love you, Miss Leslie. I, I wanted to tell you. So I took this moment when I wasn't too busy, but they're calling me now. Tell them to wait a minute, pitcher. Won't you, Miss Leslie? The secretary acted very strangely. At first, she seemed lost in surprise. Then tears began to run from her wondering eyes and then she smiled through her tears and one of her arms went around the broker's neck oh I know now she said softly it's this business it has put everything else out of your head I was afraid at first, don't you remember, Harvey, we were married last evening at 8 in the little church around the corner. Introduction information for this episode is from The New Yorker. Are all short stories, O Henry Stories, by Lewis Menand, and other sources in our show notes. Music this week is the following from Denise young. You were always there. Green mountain meadows, something you dream of. Time alone and falling leaves. And from Piotr Ilyevich Tchaikovsky, opus 51, with Daniel Losevich, and Stanislav Soloviev. And finally, from Johann Sebastian Bach, Prelude in C Minor, with Janos Sebastian. Remember, you can reach me Fast asleep with Gina Marie forty four at gmail.com or you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Please keep us here just for you by commenting, liking, and subscribing. Thank you for listening. This week's key word, dinner. Good night.